for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organizations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker, and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business, Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges joined by relevant experts and real life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to the HR Uprising podcast after our summer break. I hope you had a wonderful summer and had some sunshine, uh, more than just the week or so that we got the start of September. Um, And now we are into our autumn phase, aren't we? So I'm really looking forward to sharing with you some of the episodes that we've prepared over the summer. We're going to talk about a range of topics and they're diverse as ever, going from relationships to conflict to AI to perks and I'm going to start right off with rethinking appraisals. Now obviously this is a topic that I've touched on previously. It is something that I guess is one of our specialist topics because I'm working with people um, on this on a regular basis. However, I've figured that it's still relevant for many people. I know that uh, I have listeners that start anew. They may not have listened to all of our back 200 odd episodes And uh, we've just recently launched a series of webinars. Uh, So we did our strategy series of webinars over the summer, where I was doing each month, I was doing a different sort of strategic point. And this um, set of webinars that I'm running are all about rethinking. It's the rethinking theme. And we did this month uh, was rethinking appraisals and it was tremendously popular. It is a topic that people time and again, I guess it's about, you know, you get to a point, maybe you started a new organization or you just feel you want to freshen things up. Um, and so people often want to hear about it. So I figured there is no harm in revisiting this topic and sharing with you a, a style, I guess, in which uh, you could rethink appraisal in your organisation, giving you some fresh eyes through which you might want to challenge the way the appraisal process works. So presumably you have an appraisal process in your organisation. When I run the uh, webinar recently, 80% of the attendees there, their appraisal process was either a couple were like non-existent, but most people have just got an end of year review, appraisal, Uh, performance management, discussion, whatever you want, what your terminology is, but we'll call it appraisal for simplicity here. And most of them were doing just a simple end of year review. Now, for a long time, I would say over 10 years now, there's been conversations about going to regular check-ins. Is regular check-ins the answer? Or continuous conversations is the other buzzword. And don't get me wrong, I absolutely do believe that we should be talking on a regular basis. In fact, the evidence is that uh, companies that have people who are talking about performance on a regular conversation and on a regular basis, so they're setting goals and giving constructive feedback regularly, 
will be higher performing than those that aren't. The, one of the, the greatest drivers of employee high performance is goal setting and feedback. And I'm sure you'll have heard me say that before because I've done um, previous podcasts on um, evidence-based performance management. So you want to make sure that there is goal setting and regular reviews within that. Now, the concern with the end of year appraisal on its own, even though it should include some objective setting, is that people find it backward looking. They often think that, you know, it's, it's, it's a very outdate. I mean, in this fast moving climate, waiting 12 months to talk about someone's performance, performance seems too long and we should be talking on an ongoing basis. But the reality is one-to-ones are often seen as being quite tactical about, you know, have you done this and that as opposed to more strategic? And they're certainly unlikely to be about goal setting and review in reality, unless we as HR professionals or we within our organisations define and make it clear that that needs to be part of our continuous conversations or one-to-ones. So it's tricky. Is the upshot of it. So people complain about if you just have an annual appraisal once a year, they complain it's too backward looking. They complain that it's a tick box exercise, quite frankly, because if you think about it, people are trying to do too much um, in it. So it's often quite a poor experience. So they might be talking about achievement against objectives. They might be talking about behaviours against competencies. You might be talking about your values. You might be talking about your development needs, um, what your career aspirations. Um, you might have a performance rating in there and uh, you might even have some risk or some well-being conversations. All of those things could be a part of that conversation. And that is a massive, a massive conversation. The, not only is it a massive conversation, so it's quite unrealistic for it to be, all be meaningful. And, you know, it could be like two or three hours, couldn't it, if you're covering all of those things well. Um, the risk is that those things don't necessarily sit naturally together. I mean, I've always felt that if you are having a performance conversation with somebody and you actually, let's say, you don't feel that they've exceeded their performance, maybe they're slightly underperforming, of course you do want to provide people with um, development to support them in in, improving their performance, but you don't want to be demoralised and you don't want to be insincere. And actually, if you're talking about career aspirations with somebody and thinking, where do you want to, you know, what do you want to do with your life, having just told them that they're not really performing, those two conversations, well, they don't sit together harmoniously, do they? It, it doesn't feel like the right thing to do. And that means one or other of those messages is going to get diluted and is going to suffer. So either the person is not going to hear that they need to improve their performance, or they are not going to value or appreciate um, or be engaged by the career conversation. It's going to seem insincere and they're not going to believe that you, you mean that you want to develop them. So I believe these things should be segmented out. Um, And that's my proposal in terms of if we want to rethink the annual appraisal, rethinking appraisals, my proposal is that we should rethink it and divide it into four or in some cases three. So some of our clients are higher education. They have um, three semesters. And so three works for them in terms of their touch points that it's effectively uh, thinking about (laughs) what's the analogy? You know, the sandwich, you can have an unmade... um, a decoupled sandwich. So I'm saying we should rethink appraisals by thinking about decoupling it. All of that great stuff that tends to sit in that one meeting, let's decouple it and divide it into chunks that can each of which be discussed at different points within the year. Um, And that, if you want to call that check-ins, fine. If you want to call it continuous conversations, also fine. But the difference here is that I'm suggesting that we need to be very clear about the purpose 
of each of those check-ins. We need to define it. And we, I say the organisation or HR. The reality is, you know, I think the original check-ins band of people would sort of say, yeah, go in and have check-ins, just assume that that it's going to happen. And the reality is, I mean, call me dictatorial, but in my experience, if you tell you know a busy line manager to just go off and have continuous conversations, the easiest thing to do is to do nothing or very little. You know, the, the whole adage, what measures matter, make what measures matter. You need to be clear about what's expected and you know evaluate whether it's happening or not, have sight of whether people are doing these things. And the easiest way to do it is just be very clear about what the expectations are and by when. So the organisations that I work with, they would have a timetable. So you divide, if you imagine a clock face, I talk about that, like a clock face. Um, at the start of your financial year, so you, your financial year starts in April, um, you want to set your objectives, absolutely. And also you would typically do your end of year appraisal or review. That makes total sense. Review last year and look forward. So look backwards and look forwards. But where it gets different from here, and in my view, my recommendation is how you then split it out. So at the end of quarter one, you know, that person, ideally, you set those objectives nice and at the start of the year, so people have a full 12 months to achieve them. At the end of quarter one, it's a really good idea to check in with that person and say, you know, how are you doing generally? Have a bit of a well-being chat, um, assuming all's good, because you should start with well-being, of course, if if there is an issue with someone's well-being, then that will slightly derail your performance conversation. And you should obviously focus on the individual and making sure they're they're in a good place um, emotionally, physically to perform. But let's assume that that part of the conversation has gone well. The first check-in, I would say, should be a development conversation. So you can have your regular tactical one-to-ones monthly, weekly in some cases. They should be happening anyway. All I'm saying is at the end of quarter one, so if we were at April, we're talking July, so it would be June, July, uh, you would want the individual and their manager to sit down and have a slightly more formal conversation. If you use a system like ours, then you can capture it. You can even define and capture this conversation. So it's a mini appraisal, just one page. It's three or four questions. Um, and the focus is, how are you doing against those objectives in the first place? So you know, how are you doing? Have you thought about them? Are you on track with them? Are they relevant? Are they achievable? Uh, are you? Um, have you got milestones? Are you completing those milestones? Do we capture any comments on them? Do any of them need tweaking? Uh, so you make sure that they're current, let's check they're on track with them and then say, all right, so and what development needs might you have? And the reason I think that this is the perfect time to talk about development, particularly if you're able to track it real time, again, apologies for the plug, but if you have a system like ours, you can capture those development needs at that point and that means potentially respond to them. So if I'm in learning and development, I could pull those development needs that have come out in June or July, and I could potentially respond to them, you know, within a couple of months, which means that if that individual has got a development need or gap that's stopping them from succeeding, you could fill that gap by the time I get to the half year point, which gives them a full six months to perform. So, so simplistically, for me, having that conversation about development at this stage gives you maximum opportunity to fill any development gaps, identify any needs and respond to them, um, or get the individual to take ownership for it and respond to them themselves. It's not always something that requires formal training. They may need to go and do some research or they may need to shadow somebody or look something up. 
But the main thing is, it's about thinking, what can I do to be successful? What we're doing from the start is rather than old school, getting to the end of the year and you have a conversation about performance and then say, oh, what development would you like? The message with that kind of approach is that development is just a kind of nice to have. There's no purpose to it. Maybe it's a bit of a reward for doing a good job, but there's no, it, it, it seems it's the wrong time for it for me development in an organization in this day and age should be aligned with either your job your job your the, the job that you're doing a job that you want to do um, achieving your objectives um, or you know developing yourself for the future so it's all about growth um, and it should have a clear purpose in line um, with with your role and with the business and your personal objectives so of course it makes sense to talk about it earlier because then presumably by completing that development by identifying that development need and, and addressing it, you're maximising that individual's chance of success, which makes this a much more, well, I said about what you call it, if it's an, a pre, it's a, an achievement cycle, a performance management cycle, it makes it much more about helping people to succeed or achieve or to deliver high performance. And I know from the amount of downloads that come off our website that the term underperformance, managing performance, it is a challenge for people. Performance uh, is is something that many organisations feel that they are not getting maximum performance out of their people for whatever reason. Well, this is a way of thinking about how can we, you know, set people up for success. And it's about giving people really clear goals and then thinking what what development. Let's review those development goals, give some feedback, and identifying what development do people need in order to succeed against those goals. So that's quarter one. Makes sense, doesn't it, to talk about development there? I'm not saying you can't talk about development at other points in the year, but I'm just having that development focus then rather than just as a, an afterthought at the end of your appraisal. So then if we carry on doing our normal stuff, continuous conversations, regular check-ins, all well and good, they can be your kind of classic monthly one-to-ones. We get to six o'clock on my clock face analogy, um, the half-year point. Now for me, the half-year point um, this is your mid-year appraisal, of course. Um, this is a time when one one really key point is if you have um, any kind of performance rating or assessment, and particularly if it uh, links to reward in any way, it's vitally important that at that mid-year point, you also have some kind of rating conversation. Uh, why is it vitally important? Because quite frankly, it's completely unfair to wait until the end of the year to tell somebody that they're not performing. Uh, you don't want surprises at year end, therefore you should absolutely be talking to somebody at the mid-year point. Now, I'm not saying that they would be underperforming, but it's also a really great way to give somebody a bit of a shot in the arms. You know, they might be doing well, but they could do even better. So having that conversation where you go, where are we now? What's our progress? What are we gonna do for the next six months? critically so it's critically important just for driving high performance again so we want to talk give feedback um, reset goals some of the objectives people have got they might not even be in date or they've forgotten about them or maybe they need adjusting so it's an opportunity to focus on performance there and the other thing that i think sometimes fits nicely in a mid-year appraisal particularly if you have it at the end of year which adds again to the volume of discussion at the end of the year making it rather unwieldy I think it's a good opportunity to talk about uh, behaviours. So if you're trying to create a values-driven culture for argument's sake, uh, 
focusing on people's behaviors at the mid-year appraisal point is a really good way of doing it. So uh, you, you have more time to talk about them in more detail. So if you've got five behaviors, you could talk about them all individually. Or if you've got a competency framework, you could discuss somebody's performance against competencies, gather behavioral objectives, and just make it very much about someone's behaviors, that conversation. Again, a much more quality, a much higher quality conversation with specific examples, and you've got the time to do it. I'm not actually advocating, by the way, that you're taking, because lots of managers might go, oh, four touch points, that's even more time managing. How do I find the time? Yeah, the reality is the classic end of year appraisal approach, you usually are taking at least two hours, I mean, to do it well, if it's got all of the things in it that I mentioned earlier. And actually, if we split it out like this, you could say each of these meetings is 30 minutes or so. So you're not actually going to spend that much more time. But all we're saying is break it out into smaller, meaningful chunks, which will make it much better quality and less painful, hopefully. Better quality, more meaningful. So half year point, mid-year appraisal, great opportunity, obviously, to check you're on track with your performance objectives, definitely update any of those things. Do check in that people are doing their development actions if you agreed them at the end of the first quarter, but also a great time to think about behaviours, discuss behaviours, and um, if the, you're doing ratings, definitely a great opportunity to evaluate performance. Are you on track or not? And actually, even if you're not doing ratings, are you on track to achieve your objectives or not? It's a really good opportunity to get people fired up again, refocused um, and, and you know, back on track. So that's our mid-year point. Then if we go forward to the end of quarter three, um, or nine o'clock in my clock face analogy, then what we would look at here is, um, my view is this is about engagement. This is our, um, someone on my webinar earlier called it uh, almost like a stay interview, a motivation or engagement interview. Yes, this is about um, engaging and retaining talent. Um, well, all people actually engaging, um, yeah, seeing, seeing the talents within everybody. So for me, you could call this a career conversation. It could be an engagement conversation. It would certainly include talking about where does the person want to go? Now, why would you want to talk about this here? I think this is a great time to talk about um, talk about an individual's personal aspirations and motivations, because you might see that this person's going to be a brilliant high performer. You do not want them to start looking outside of the, the business. You want to keep them. So by asking them questions about, you know, what do they want to achieve? Where do they want to go? Even if you are a small business, there's always ways in which you can find creative ways to develop people. So it could be, okay, they, you know, they're really interested in moving into marketing. Well, can you give them the opportunity to go and shadow someone in marketing for a while or to maybe work on a project with someone? One of the main motivators for most people is actually development and growth and feeling that they're growing, growing skills. So it's not necessarily about the job title or being the next you know, director of marketing if that role doesn't exist in your organisation but you can help them to develop new skills, which means you can keep them motivated within your organization for longer. So, you know, thinking about how can I you know, identify what talents this person has, what talents they want to develop, where do they see themselves next this time next year, this time in three years, this time in five years, you know, maybe they don't want to go anywhere, but could you use them as a buddy or a mentor for someone else? How can you keep them fresh and engaged and maximize the use of their talents and skills? So that for me is switching away from performance, it's away from gaps as in development gaps and more about how do we 
optimize you and your talents um, in terms of this. And it's a really nice focus conversation all about that person and what's not going to engage someone on that. So, you know, they've had a conversation about their performance. Now it's about, you know, what do you want? They know that therefore as a line manager and, and as a business, you're really motivated to help them you know, be the best version of themselves. And obviously by doing that, they're going to contribute the best to the business as well. So you don't want that message to get lost in a tick box end of year appraisal where the person feels devalued and like they've lost the will to live. I mean, there's evidence um, that, that uh, if you actually have a, a poor appraisal, a disengaging appraisal, this is Professor Michael West from King's Fund, they actually showed that from an engagement point of view, a bad or demotivational tick box appraisal was actually worse than no appraisal at all. Now, I would argue if you were to split out all the, you know, the, the appraisal, the maligned appraisal, old school end of year appraisal, really, we've always been asking it to do too much. We've been unrealistic to expect one conversation to drive engagement, um, to allocate reward, to talk about performance, to motivate, um, to develop, to assess behaviours, to consider well-being. It's unrealistic to have all of those in one conversation. It really is. And therefore, if we divide it out, we're going to have better quality conversations. And the reality is that if you just expect managers to know what to talk about at different points in the year, it's not going to happen consistently if it happens at all by some of them. So if you were to define your own timetable, uh, you can visit visit our on the show notes, I'll just put a link to our webpage so you can actually see what I'm talking about, about this clock face image. If you want to see any of the, see what I'm talking about, hopefully you can visualise it, but define your own uh annual cycle, you define what the touch points are. Maybe the touch points work differently within your business. That's totally fine. But the main thing is define and communicate clearly what the expectations are at each of these touch points. Um, and then, of course, measure whether they're happening. And hopefully, you know, if you've got a system, you can see whether those things are happening. You'll be able to pull reporting on it and you can manage against it. And that makes life a lot easier to embed those behaviours. But find a way to ensure that once you've defined this cycle, make sure that the managers have the documentation so they know what questions you're expecting them to do. They know when they're expected to do it by. They know the purpose of it. Even consider um, giving managers uh, skills training uh, for each of those because you might want to at the start of the year to make sure people know how to write smart objectives, how to agree smart objectives uh, before quarter one. You might want them to know what we you know. How can you develop people creatively? Ask them. You, you might teach them coaching skills uh, to say, you know, what do you want to achieve? Teach them the grow coaching model, open questions to encourage them to empower their um, people to. Uh, agree ob uh, development objectives as opposed to sort of dictate them. Before the mid-year review, you might want to train your managers how to provide, um, and in individuals actually, how to provide behavioural evidence. How do you come up with a good um, example of someone meeting a competency for argument's sake? If you are going to do ratings, you definitely need to define ratings and help them understand, you know, what, how would they evaluate a certain rating? Is it to give rating fully achieved? Does that mean they need to have fully achieved all of their objectives, some of their objectives? You know, how do you make those judgment calls? So train your managers there. And then you know, the importance of engagement, uh, talking about, again, coaching skills, but coaching for career performance, uh, career progress, 
thinking about those sort of things would be key for before your quarter three um, review. And then the end of year review, it's more about performance. So again, it's similar skills to mid-year. How do you how do you rate someone's performance? How do you make sure that you have gathered objective behavioural evidence and how do you evaluate whether someone has achieved an objective or not? Of course, if it's smart, it's easier to assess. So all of those sort of core people management skills, you could also inject those in at the relevant point in the cycle, um, which would help upskill your line managers. So you use this as an opportunity. Not only are you rethinking the appraisal process, by doing that, you're rethinking the appraisal, you're breaking it out into something which is a continuous uh, process, but because you're defining what's expected, it's that much more likely that you're going to get quality conversations at each point, quality outputs, which means you can report on it, you can respond to it. So from a strategic point of view, if you're getting development actions um, at the end of quarter uh, quarter one, then you're able to uh, respond to those actions. You could put on training courses. It means you could think about your training budget, uh, how you're going to allocate it and make sure it's needs driven rather than just ad hoc. The same with the end of year, um, sorry, the career aspirations conversation, this could help you with talent management. So if you can see that there are certain people who want to go in a certain role, you could uh, look to develop them in that way. Or you've got a big project coming on, you could see the person who's looking for a change or who wants, who's got some skills or talents in that area and you could allocate them to that project rather than the sort of usual random pick the usual suspects. So if you can have these different conversations, and obviously if you have a system, um, then it's easier to be able to extract that data and act on it. But these conversations, putting those in place and allowing you to then respond appropriately is going to drive high performance and engagement. So going full circle, by rethinking your appraisal, taking it away from just one almighty end of year process, breaking it down into four defined, four defined quarterly touch points. So your end of year appraisal slash objective setting, end of quarter one, your development conversation, end of quarter two, your mid-year appraisal, incorporating behavioral conversations, end of quarter three, career conversation, all about engagement, talent retention, motivation, and then full circle back to the end where you've got your end of year review itself and set objective setting for the following year, it should be so much easier to have that end of year review. It should take less preparation, just be less painful, more meaningful, more motivational. And overall, you're, you should help you to retain people, but also have better quality conversations and higher performance. What's not to like? And it's not just a concept, I know that it works. So I did something very similar in my previous organization. We've actually rolled that out. I'm currently writing um, a, a process manual for an organization that's working with as embedding this. And it really, really resonates with lots and lots of the people that we work with. And as I alluded to before, you can also upskill your managers um, in line with this, but you have to be brave and you have to define. And I think maybe it's moving away from, oh, just let people go and do what they want to do, continuous conversations, which is nice and light, dare I say fluffy, but it's completely unrealistic if you want to actually get any clear outputs and have a consistent approach to the way in which people are managed in the organisation. And consistency and fairness is so important for engagement. Therefore, my recommendation would be to define it. 
um, and uh, define it out, train people, um, obviously adapt what I've suggested to meet your culture and uh, the way in which you, you know, fit your business. Um, but take a theme like this and then um, rethink your appraisal and hopefully you'll have some great results with it. So I really hope that that was of use. Do check out the show notes because I've got lots of content on this. I've got infographics, so I've got various um, documents that you can download um, and use on those and get in touch. Let me know your success stories or if anyone's got a better way of doing, of rethinking their appraisal, uh, you know, just get in touch. I'd love to hear about it. Thanks for listening and see you next week. I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.